throughout this entire podcast, I've talked about things that are bad about this industry or bad about my job. I'm only saying that because genuinely, this is the best job in the world, but everyone pegs it out to be some easy go lucky, very, you just film for three hours and you're done with your day. And I don't want kids watching this to think it's that and get into something where they might've gotten kicked out of their house and they might've been homeless and they might be giving it all in hopes that it's some easy job. It's not, it really isn't, or at least what I do is not. And I want everyone who's watching this or maybe looks up to me or maybe looks up to you, Doug, and realize that just because they see maybe 15 minutes, an hour long, maybe an hour and a half long podcast, think that's just your job. Because I know that's not just your job, Doug. I know you have a lot more to do. And I want people to know that I love this job. I love all the work that comes with it. I accept everything bad that comes with it. But I don't want someone getting into this thinking that it's all fucking money and girls and weed and alcohol. And all of a sudden you're famous. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And today's guest on the show is Alex Warren. Alex is a popular YouTuber. He's a TikTok star and an internet celebrity who co-founded the famed content house, The Hype House. The crazy part is just a few years ago, Alex was homeless. On today's podcast, Alex shares how he went from homeless and dead broke to one of the most famous internet personalities in the world all before his 21st birthday. Listen in to hear how he turned tragedy and trauma into triumph at such a young age. Some of the things that we talked about that I think you're going to really appreciate are how he started filming videos at just 11 years old, shortly after his father passed away. We talk about the ultimatum his mom gave him, which was stop filming or get out of the house. We chatted about what life was like as a homeless YouTuber. Alex shares how he crossed paths with Thomas Petru to form the Hype House. He introduces the Hype House's upcoming Netflix show, and he also shares behind the scenes of what it's really like to be an internet celebrity, and we also have a candid conversation about Alex's mental health and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Alex Warren to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Alex Warren, welcome (laughs) to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. Yeah, it's great chatting with you, and I've been looking forward to interviewing you and, and connecting with you for a variety of reasons. And I just first wanted to say congrats, man, on Hype House. Congrats on it coming to Netflix. What's that feel like? It doesn't feel real yet. I don't think like it's really clicked in with me yet. It's been a dream since I was a kid to do something along these lines. So it's it doesn't feel real yet. I, I'll, ask me in like a few months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think it's just, it's very admirable given where you were a few years back to how far you've come just in these these few years, like since the moment where essentially you were kicked out of your house when you were 17, you were bouncing around, not from friend's house to friend's house, but from friend's car to friend's car to pursue this dream of being a YouTube star, being a TikToker, and really essentially kind of almost taking what you had learned from your dad who passed away about vlogging and creating video to now create your own video content to inspire millions upon millions of people. But I think before we get into this story, I wanted to kind of educate a little bit of the audience on like what Hype House is, like what 
I mean, maybe some people on here, they're familiar with TikTok. They might not understand it, but if you could just kind of give your two cents on first Hype House, how that formed and a little bit about TikTok. Uh, yeah. Hype House, it, it's a really interesting story on how it actually started, which I feel like I tell this a lot, but I love telling the story. It's I had an apartment after, let's fast forward the homelessness and all everything that I went through. I had an apartment with all the friends that actually helped me uh, get to where I am today, which is who live with me now in this house now. But in that apartment, I met Thomas because Thomas was recently going down from San Diego to LA. He was part of Team 10 and all this stuff. And we started filming videos together. Thomas was telling me about how he really wanted to like start a, a friend group of a house and like really just make content together. Nothing serious or how it became. And I was like, oh, sure. Like, let's do it. And then one day he called me, said, hey, let's let's do it. And just I Venmoed the money, moved up there with all my friends. And we had no anticipation of making a big organization the way Hype House is. For those who don't know what Hype House is, it's a group of friends or a collective of friends who make YouTube videos together and content together and TikTok videos together. And we've had one of some of the biggest names in, in the space space right now, like Charlie to me, Addison Ray. And I feel like we were kind of like, we're are like a frontier of like how TikTok collectives and houses were formed today. So yeah, it's genuinely just a family in my personal opinion of just people that we really like and make videos together. It's nothing too crazy. <laughs> it seems like you guys have a ton of fun. I mean, I was watching a video where there was like a person like almost like in an ice cream truck. There was somebody like impersonating an ice cream yeah. truck driver. I was laughing so hard. Your most recent video, I think you posted today, you like surprised a, like a mom with a giant spider. Yes. Which is fun. I have like a fucked up mentality in a way <laughs> where I just, I didn't have like live the childhood I did when obviously I was a teenager. So my whole thing is now that I'm in a position where I own a home with 22 acres and, and have enough money to kind of fund my dream childhood, I'm kind of living it in my 20s for no one where I'm, I'm 20 years old. So I'm kind of reliving the dream childhood I wish I had at the moment, which is very immature. But at the same time, I love it so much. Like I bought three salvaged cars took the airbags out and played real life bumper cars on my property the other day. I took my friend skydiving. We built a skate park in our backyard. It's just a group full of just people trying to have fun every single day and make a, a job out of it. That's hilarious. Yeah. That, that kind of, I mean, it doesn't remind me, but I, when I was a kid, it was a teenager. I, we would go to my one friend's house and he had like dirt bike and four wheeler tracks in yeah. his backyard. And we like, gutted one of my old cars like tore the exhaust off and like uh would and we were like i wonder what it would it be like to get into a car accident at like five miles an hour 10 miles an hour yeah and we would drive like the car into like a tree and stuff it was just exactly ter terrible ideas right oh it's horrible and then i just document it and post it for entertainment that's exactly yeah. what it is everything that i do is either someone wished they had done or something that they have done and like said after that i wish we had that on camera so it's just making memories for when we're adults and we show our kids like like you never expect your parents to be like crazy people when you're a kid. Like you didn't expect them to like have a crazy childhood and they have all these stories. And it's like instead of stories, I can tell you a story if I want to. Let me show you how I lived. So it's, it's like, that's how it like, it uh, kind of started. And we were just doing crazy stuff and not a lot of parents liked what I was doing because it, it rightfully so when I was doing it, parents were like, you can't make a job out of this. Like you're just being a, an asshole. You're being a, you're living in a fairy tale land and fast forward two years. And I've literally made a job out of having fun, which is kind of crazy, but now people don't like me for that reason that I'm making so much money doing it. And I'm sure there's so many parents that said, say to their kids, what either your mom said to you or what your friend's parents said to you, like, you're never going to make any money being a YouTube star. Yeah. You're never going to make it like you're never going to be successful doing this like ever. And here you are like living proof 
you've almost, from what I understand, become like a second parent to your siblings, taking care of them. And I believe yeah. like you're so relatable. You're very humble. I mean, I've listened to you on several podcasts and just watched your content. And it's not every day that you see somebody who's in your position with tens of millions of followers. You live in a mansion, you drive some amazing cars and <laughs> got a Netflix show coming Yes, that you're as relatable and humble as you are. And I think that it's just my, my personal opinion is that I think your passion for giving, I think your passion for making people feel better and laugh and just your humility comes from your humble beginning. So let's take it back uh, to your childhood. I know you, you grew up in a situation where a lot of turmoil could have come out of the already toxic situation you were in. Sure. You turned to creating content and video, I think, to channel a lot of those negative emotions and negative energy into something positive. So talk people through like what your childhood was like and then how that led you to creating the content you're creating today. Sure. I mean, I had a pretty relatable childhood to a lot of people, which I've been told. It's just, you know, my dad passed away when I was pretty young. I was nine years old. And my dad's whole mission, I mean, he knew he was dying before I was even born. He knew he was dying in like the 90s or something like that. And he beat cancer a few times, but, you know, third time really got him. So when a normal person, when they think that they're dying, they try to cross bucket list things off and do whatever they want. My dad had a different idea. He went out, bought a camcorder and wanted to film what he was like and, and how he is, because it's like people can say all they want about someone once they're dead, but you don't really, I mean, the videos don't lie. Like my dad was the most amazing, genuine person I think I've ever met. And I mean, keep on, I was nine, so I don't really remember him too much, but from the videos, that's how I know. So yeah, I mean, what he did is he had a camcorder and he would go around and go to Costco and go to Party City and buy like scary masks and he would buy a blow up stuff. And what he would do is treat every day like a vacation day. And he would surprise us with a giant slip and slide out back. And he'd be like, look, like you guys go play, like and film it. And his whole thing was just I know I'm dying, so I might as well show my kids who I am while I'm gone. And so it's like he made a whole tape of like, there's so many tapes, but I love it. It's just, it's really fun. But yeah, after my dad passed, my mom became an alcoholic. I mean, she was an alcoholic before, but yeah, it, that was his biggest worry. His biggest worry was that this would be a reality for us. And it was. And so with alcoholics, they have like the way any addiction does is there's always someone else you blame. And I was that person. So I rightfully so I, I decided that I should be a YouTuber at the young age and not take anything else seriously, but it was a passion of mine and it still is. And my mom didn't understand like many other parents don't when it's a whole new thing. So I don't really give her shit for it, but no. Yeah. And I, I got the shit end of the stick when it was verbal, mental, physical abuse and, and all those things. And I, there's different paths that one can take when they get that. And I chose to keep my head up. I eventually got kicked out when I was about just turned 18, if not right before. And I was that night, I was on the street, just sitting there making phone calls to whoever I could. And all I had was a camera and a computer because those are the only two things I actually bought. And those were the only things that I had in my name, the only things I could take. I wasn't allowed to take anything, a bed, a mattress, a desk, any of my clothes. I was just that too. Obviously my phone as well because I, I bought that. But yeah, so I was making phone calls and I was trying to figure out exactly who, what to do because you kind of just, one minute you think you're fine as a kid and no one prepares you to be an adult. And when you just get kicked to the curb, quite literally, there's nothing. You don't know any, you haven't been trained about that. Like you haven't been taught that in school. You don't get taught what to do when you get shoved into the real world like that. So yeah, I was, I made phone calls and 
one of my buddies, Patrick, answered and I was sleeping in his car because his mom didn't like me at the time because I was filming videos with my friends and it was getting us in some trouble. And then, yeah, so from there, and then my friend Calvin, Calvin would let me sleep in his car and then vice versa, like just a, a group of my friends. So it was like back and forth. And what I thought with this is like, I got the shit end of a stick. Like there's no plan B. There was never a plan B. I'm going to full on go for it. And what do I have to lose? I literally have nothing to lose. I didn't have anyone, anything. It was just, let's make this go. So every single time I would go to my friend's house, I would like sleep at like Calvin's house. And then I would film with Calvin next day, I go film with Patty and I filmed my whole friend group and just made fun things to get out of this shit situation. And eventually one of the videos went viral. And, and from there, it was like it gradually just kept going up and up till I could afford a, an apartment. And then I moved all my friends in. That's incredible, man, because I think there's so many people that were in your situation that were so delicate and vulnerable from not only just losing your dad, but dealing with the other parent in the way that you did, and then having to fend for yourself, having to deal with all the emotions and trauma and pain that came with that. There's a lot of people that would have turned to drugs. Oh, for sure. And that's what I did. I mean, you and I were chatting a little bit before um, we recorded. and, And for me, I grew up in my childhood, it wasn't the best. And in order for me to deal with my insecurities, my pain, my trauma, I turned to drugs, started with weed and led to Coke, Oxycontin, and everything else. And that's what ended up obviously leading me to go to jail. But I often wonder like, what would have, what do you think would have happened to you if you didn't lean into content? Did you see yourself like potentially trying drugs or alcohol or something to help numb the pain? I mean, no one knows this, but obviously like contemplating suicide was the biggest one for me. I think Mm -hmm. that when you get shoved into a corner where you don't know what to do and keep in mind, like I was an arrogant little fucking 16 year old. I knew everything. I knew what to do in every situation. I had to lie. I had to get myself out of something, which I'm not proud of. I'm not proud that I was um, naive, but yeah, at a certain point, you kind of ask your question, like why? And my dad raised me to be a Catholic. So I'm sitting there like, why are you lying me to what's the plan? Right. Am I meant to be homeless? Am I meant to be in this shit situation? And, and I think that I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And I'm who I am today. Like you say, humility and, and all these different things, which I'll never actually acknowledge. But I, I am who I am today because of the situations that I've been put in and the things that I've gone through. And I realize I'm not no better than anyone else. I've had my fair share of issues. I've, I got involved in drugs when I was 13. So that's my way of lashing out. It's like my mom treated me like I was someone who did all these things. So why not do all the things that my mom's accusing me of? Because if she's saying this like that, and I'm genuinely a good kid, then there's no going back. So I got involved in that, got caught a few times. wasn't good at all. So I, I realized when I was like, I think it was like for three months, I was into like weed and, and all that. And, and after I got caught and I was like, this isn't worth it. I'm just, I kept praying and you're like, thinking that my dad was responding to me. And it just, I came to a conclusion it wasn't worth it. And from there, I completely shifted who I was. I wanted to stay true to myself and stay true to the way my dad raised me and not give in to whatever the hell my mom's trying to put me as. Yeah. I, I think you, it seems to me, you really leaned in on your purpose in a way that you knew that everything kind of happened for a reason, even though you probably couldn't see a lot of that then that you were like, I'm put on this earth to create content, to create vlogs, to create video to help people feel better about themselves because in your situation, I've heard you say you, you would watch some content, you would watch some videos. I heard you on impulsive talk about yeah. that. So you would want, I feel like other people who are going through something similar to have that to watch as, as an outlet or something to make them laugh or feel better mm-hmm. about themselves. And then that kind of, I think kept you away from falling down that 
dark path of addiction as a teenager. And then obviously remembering your dad and the way he raised you and everything he taught you. So I want to fast forward a little bit because I think people, they hear this, right. They hear that you got kicked out when you were 17. They hear how you were as a teenager growing up, what that was like. And then they see you now and you got a show on Netflix, you're in the hype house, you got all these followers, but it didn't just happen in a two year period, three year period, right? So you've been creating content for about a decade, if I if I'm correct. Yeah, since I was eleven, I, I've been making YouTube videos. My dad really inspired me in like and wanting to film things. Obviously, my dad was my number one role model and my number one like he was the influencer that created me. But when I was eleven, about uh, keep in mind when my dad died, it didn't hit me. I didn't cry at all at the first. I he died right in front of me, and it, it was like it didn't feel real until two years later. Later, it was your dad comes to school day where they they talk about their jobs and I just sat there making jokes. I was like, my dad's dead. Like I was joking about it because I, I saw a reaction out of people, and out of those jokes was some truth of just how I felt. And that day, I was I just sat there and some kids saw me making that joke and I was playing handball and I was talking shit. I was like, oh, I'm better handball than you. And this guy goes, uh, yeah, at least my dad's not dead. And I just sat there and just poured out cries and I punched him in the face. And ever since then, I actually never got in a fight. Um, yeah, I, I, that's when it really hit me. So for me, right then and there, I was like, I started thinking about my dad more and I watched those tapes right after that. And I was just like, I want to do this. I love this. I saw him and I was like, I'm inspired to do something similar. So my neighbor down the street had a webcam, like a webcam on the computer, because at the time there was like handheld. I was 11. I didn't know how to get something like that. So I went down there. I was like, let's film YouTube videos. Let's do it. And I tasked him to be my producer and editor when reality, all he did was press record and not record. And I would just upload these videos onto a, if you look it up, it's called AlexMan1332 on YouTube. Those are all my videos from 2011. And it's just me being just stupid, trying to think it's funny. And and that's what really created who I am today. It's just, I, I fell in love with the making of the video and the possibility of doing something similar to what my dad did. Yeah. And I think it's, I think a lot of people don't think about that. They, like I was saying a minute ago, they see like you now with all these followers and they're like, oh, like he just got lucky or he made one video that went viral and he, they don't see like the climb. They don't see everything yeah. that went into it. Everyone's under the impression that me and several people I live with are just a bunch of rich white kids who have mommy and daddy money when in reality, all of us have been either kicked out or I mean, Thomas was sleeping on someone's kitchen table for like a year. Like he, none of us are from money. None of us have that. All of us were able to make something out of who we are. I helped a lot of my friends get into this space and I'm really thankful that I was able to do that. So what happened? Like you get kicked out, you're bouncing around from friend's car to friend's car. Yeah. When did things really start to pick up for you? Like what, I know you said a video went viral and like, I'm sure there was a domino effect that happened with that. And then you started the hype house. So what was that trajectory like from when you got kicked out to kind of where you are now? Yeah, it was very gradual. I remember after my 10th, 11th video on Alex Warren, like my real name is Alexander Warren Hughes, but I, I go by Alex Warren for different reasons. But on that account, I started posting like vlogs, like fast form content and stuff like that. And previously I was making Instagram skits with like Ben Asler, Brent Rivera's guys. So I was making like videos like that because we're from the same hometown. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't, this isn't who I am. I'm just doing it because I think it's going to get views. And the minute I sat down, I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I was upset. I couldn't watch long form videos at all. Like I couldn't do it. And I'm like, I'm not going to create something. I'm not going to like myself. So I took essentially like what David Dobrik was doing with the POV to what Logan Paul was doing with the way they structured their vlogs to the way my dad 
really held the camera and, and held himself as like only filming things that he thought were going to be exciting for us to watch. Cause he didn't want us to get bored while watching. Like, obviously he wants us to be enter- like not entertained, but know him for the way he wanted us to remember him. So I'm like, okay, I want people to remember me for the fun times, not like just boring 10 minute gaps in a video. I want people to feel like they're a part of my friend group, the way I felt like I was in my dad's eyes. So I like, that's the way I liked that. And similar to how David did it. And I really liked the structure of having like, kind of like a TV show where you have an intro clip and then like an actual like intro commercial kind of vibe. And then all the subsidy, like all the content in the middle and outro, like kind of end credits and then bloopers. So that's exactly how I structured it. I started it. And then a video that went viral was just constantly putting out content, really started getting shoved down people's throats. So gradually it started getting bigger. And then one video got really viral from my friend, Patrick. He surprised us in his garage with like a dinner service and he ended up just ruining everything and like broke everything in the room, in the garage. Cause I said, I didn't like the pizza he ordered. And for some reason, people loved that. The fact that we were just a bunch of kids messing around and having a muck and that went viral. And then after that, a few videos went viral. And then I saw the trend of what videos were doing. So then I looked at it and I was like, how can I recreate that? So consistently, I kept trying to recreate things that I knew were going to go viral and still have fun with it. And then over time, I kind of understood it and became a flow of just like every video I make can do really well if I structure it a certain way. So it's just all like learning algorithm and what people like and attention span. And from there, you really just, you understand, but it's, it, you can, no one can tell you how to do it. No one can tell you how to make a viral video. Each person's different. Each person has their own niche. And from there, you kind of go experience what doesn't do well and what does well and you understand it. Yeah, I think a lot of it, at least in my experience, is just feedback, paying attention to analytics, seeing what works, yeah. knowing your audience, just just knowing that just knowing that whatever you're going to put out hopefully is going <clears throat> to educate in some way, maybe entertain them or inspire them to some degree for them to, to draw their attention and keep them coming back. And I feel like once you develop some rapport with your audience, your audience continues to grow because the platform that you're using like sees the eyeballs on what your content. And they want to keep showing it to other people because they're seeing it's already being enjoyed by others. I don't know if that's, that's accurate, but that's just my understanding. hundred percent. So I want to stay on this content creation while we're here, because I, I have one of the best content creators on the planet talking to me right now. And there's, I appreciate that. I'm not, but I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, you're up there. So there's, and and there's a lot of people now with social media being as important as, as it is right now to build a brand, build a business, get your name out there. There's people that, that are trying to create content, but I think a lot of people struggle with what to post. A lot of people struggle with what to say. They have the imposter syndrome. They're like, how do I look on camera? So what are some of your best practices or your advice when you have like your best friend who's not on TikTok, not on YouTube say, Hey, Alex, I want to get started. Like, what do I do? Uh, a lot of times everyone overthinks it. I, I think that even I did in the beginning where you sit there and you go, I look so stupid. Like I'm, it's not natural. It is not natural to hold. I'm just going to use a GoPro. I don't know where my camera is. It's not natural to hold a fucking a, a camera to your face and talk to it because you're used to talking to people. You're used to people engaging with you. No one stares at a wall and talks to it. It's the same thing. It's a learning curve, understanding how to talk. And it's funny saying it out loud, but it's a learning curve on, on you really start thinking it because every single person is like, I want to become an influencer. I want to become a TikToker. I want to do this. And then they get to the point where they have the camera in their hand and they're like, 
what do I do? This is weird. <laughs> yeah. Over time, it gets really easy. And I've explained this to all my friends who want to do YouTube because I was like, how do you talk naturally to the camera? And you get used to it. You see a camera and you go, I want to talk to it. But then you kind of, you start talking to a lot of cameras. It's a weird disease, but it, it genuinely just, it's straight up. Don't overthink it. Don't be hard on yourself. Have fun. And every single person I've ever talked to has said this. Every influencer I've, I've, I've talked to is always like, don't do it to be famous. Don't do it for the money. Just have fun with it. And I didn't listen to that in the beginning because obviously I was homeless. So I was like, I really love this. I want it to be a job, but I also, I, I really need to get out of this situation. So it's very hard to tell millennials or Gen Z or whatever the fuck we are now to not do it, to become famous, because that's what's romanticized. It's romanticized everywhere. Being rich and famous is romanticized. All your problems will go away. If you're rich and famous, you'll be able to buy whatever the fuck you want. It's not the case. It, it isn't. And I'm going to say it straight to your face because I'm in a position where I know Money does not help. It, it helps with that one issue and all your things that you pushed away to focus money, then just all of a sudden get even worse. But I love how I keep going off on tangents and I really apologize. I, this is just exactly what I do all the time. And I probably should have warned you ahead of time. But really all you have to do is straight up have fun because if you're having fun, the money and the fame will follow. And genuinely, I'm going to say it now, don't do it to be famous and, and have money because you're going to have the worst intentions in the world on this platform. And we have too many of that already. Yeah. And I think all that's a byproduct of just creating good content, having a good mission, wanting to help people, sure. just putting yourself out there, being consistent, being disciplined. And then over time, I think that will all come in time. But I think people, they look at people at the top of the mountain, they don't see the climb. They don't see the, the work. They don't see you literally like risking getting kicked out of your house, sleeping in cars to create content. Like people don't see that. The only way no. they really see it, maybe they, they read an article, maybe they listen yeah. to a podcast like this and they hear a bit more about your story. But I think a lot of people, they have this idea of people on TikTok, people on YouTube, they think people just dance and do pranks all the time. And they just got lucky because they had a viral video hit. Well, a lot of people who get lucky actually end up hating it. Like I, there's yeah. several people, I'm not going to name their name, but so many people fucking hate being on social media and hate the fame that comes with it. In my personal opinion, I don't think it's fame. I think you're just popular for the moment. There's yeah. famous people like Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber. Those are household names, but the reason, and I've seen that going back to the beginning why I, I try to be humble and, um, you know, have humility is, is, I know I'm not the shit, but some people get paparazzi one time because they're in some scandal and then all of a sudden think they're the shit. And I don't want to be that idiot on camera because it's not who I am. It's not who I was raised by or how I was raised. But I mean, kudos to everyone. I think kudos to you if you're able to get paparazzi and act the way you want to. I, it's just not my thing at all. I not know my place, but I, I know who I am and I'm not going to alter that because I have five more people who like me. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And so I think that leads into to the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about is being the fact that you, your business, your life, your livelihood, your identity, if you will, in, in many ways is built off social media. It's built off likes, it's built off views. How do you balance the that with like creating content putting yourself out there with also managing like the mental health side of things where we know that social media likes followers paying attention to the algorithms can also be detri detrimental to people's mental health. We will get you back to this episode of the adversity advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and earth echo foods. 
Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Bobst. Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show. Yeah, I'm still battling that, I think. My biggest issue here is that I'm so fucked in the head because I monetize everything I do. I was so obsessed with being not going back to homelessness. It's not that I'm ill-intented. Like I'm not doing this out of malice and I'm not doing content creating for money. My biggest fear is once I was doing a little better, my biggest fear was actually like going back and becoming irrelevant and going back to homelessness because again, there is still no plan B. I'm not sitting here going, oh, if YouTube doesn't work out, I'm still like 100% into it. So I'm kind of just continuously going and going. But yeah, my problem is now that I don't have any hobbies. I don't have anything I do out of fun. I film everything in my relationship. I film and obviously me and Cobra are, have our own you know, time and I take her out to dinner and stuff. And that's fine. She's my rock and I love her so much and all that. But with like normal people have activities, normal people go to a nine to five job. And when they're done, they have that one thing, two things, three things that they can do. I film where I live. I live where I work and all my friends live with me. So therefore they're colleagues too. And it's a little difficult because it's like, I can't have fun without thinking I should be filming this and I can't go golfing because I'm like, okay, I could go golfing, but I could film this. And I'm so scared of missing content. I'm so scared of missing these memories that I could be making content about where opposed to a normal person. It's like, these are memories that will live with me forever. So that's what I'm always struggling with. I have horrible mental, like mental problems. I, I am depressed a lot, but I find so much joy and fun out of filming that it like suppresses it. And then I'm like, okay, well, I uploaded now I'm depressed again until I start filming again. So it's like, it's scary because when, what if I, what do I do when I retire? Like, what do I do when I'm done? And I'm like, okay, I've made a good living and I have kids and I need to focus on that. It's like a limb. I always have my camera on me and I'm always filming something. It's like, I don't want to be that dad who's filming my kid 24 seven to make home tapes. Like the way, like my dad, obviously he knew he was dying. It's a different story. But for me, I don't want to have these memories with my kid and film it and then be afraid that I'm missing it in real life because I'm filming it. So obviously I'm thinking too far ahead and I'm kind of fucking myself mentally in, in the point, but it's the same time as that's always on my mind. So it's like, I can't give anyone mental advice on being an influencer because I'm not there yet. Well, in a perfect world, what are some things that you potentially in the future you could see yourself doing to kind of help yourself like mitigate like the worry of, because I, f- I feel like what I'm hearing you say is like your biggest fear is that if you don't create content and monetize what you're doing, you're going to end up homeless because like that's yeah. like, it's like boom or bust yeah. for you with creating content. So I guess my question is with you knowing that you're, you've had your struggles with mental health and there's people that are listening to this that have had their struggles and even people that, that follow you, like what are some things in an ideal world, if you were to make the time, what would you turn to if you could? I don't know. 
the problem with, and, and so many people ask me that question of like, what are you doing in five years or how are you going to be mentally okay in five years? And I don't know the problem. I, I always diminish that question because if someone asked me two years ago, what I'd be doing, I wouldn't say this. So I could say one thing and I can yeah. really mean it, but it won't hold true because I'm living proof that no matter what situation you're in, no matter how you're thinking and no matter what your ambition is, things change very mm. quickly. So I can't say like in five years, what I, what's going to help me because I could, probably would have figured it out in one, or maybe it just randomly happened and I'm like, I'm over this. So it's like, reasonably, I, I can't answer that question. But in a perfect world, I'd probably be like racing cars or playing golf or trying to get my surfing, trying to get my mind off of things. I really eventually want to retire in Carlsbad where I'm from on like, and have like a boat for the lagoon and, and wake surf my entire life. But that's not really what I'm planning on doing. So, I mean, that's a perfect world, but honestly, when you were talking about mental issues and stuff, this job opposed to like my mental issues, because I highly doubt a lot of influencers have this just because I'm very, not to say they're not driven, but I'm overly workaholic. And I don't know if a lot of people are like me. I really haven't met anyone that way, except for like, obviously Thomas, who I live with. So it's a little difficult to cross-examine, but a lot of problems, a lot of people get into this job. They're not going to hate because they're really true to themselves. And that's not the case. The problem with this job, and I love how I keep mentioning the problem about this and i apologize to anyone watching if they're trying to get me to uplift them it's a great job it's an amazing job i don't think you want to hear that i think you want to hear about what's what's bad about it because anyone hearing my job that you film for your friends for a living is going to say wow that's cool what's the problem <laughs> but genuinely any job in social media and in acting and, and all that stuff you're going to get hate no matter who you are and how you do your things because you're putting your life out to be judged you're putting your life out for people to ridicule for it people are going to some people are going to like you and some people are going to hate you and a lot of people are surprised when they come into the space and they get the hate and they overanalyze it and it's like sadly you become emotionally numb to it at a certain point yeah and, and i think I, well number one i love your honesty and humility been it would have been really easy for you to sit there and lie and be like, yeah, my mental health is great. I'm exercising. <laughs> I'm eating well. I'm meditating. Look at me. I'm not exercising. <laughs> I go to this thing called therapy. Like I'm doing all these oh, things. <laughs> and but no, but you're real. And I think that's why so many people relate to you, Alex. It's just my, because of Yeah. My problem is so many sorry, I keep cutting you off. I'm I apologize. Oh, you're good. Hey, but no, so many people go on a podcast and in my job, and so many people go on pop rots are like, I'm living a great my mental health is fine. I'm doing well. This is a great job. And it is a very good job. But there's so many kids who look up to me, and there's so many kids who look up to them. And do not quit your job and do not quit out of school to be do what I do. The chances of it are very slim. And I'm saying this because one person's going to watch this and they're going to film themselves and like, I'm going to do it. And then they're going to be famous and all this stuff. But genuinely, I'm very different. And it sounds so, I'm different. Like it sounds so stupid saying it out loud, but I did not have a choice and I pursued something that I love. And if you're going to do this, do it 150%. But, you know, I love how I'm giving advice about something that I don't even, I didn't even do, but genuinely, I, I don't want to see people thinking that this is just some amazing job where you don't have any problems and you, you don't want to work a nine to five. Well, get ready to work a 24 seven because it's constant work that you're doing. You're your own boss. You're 1099. You pay your own taxes and you write them off yourself. So it's like, it is way more work than a nine to five job. And I see every single person going, I wasn't meant for a nine to five job. I, I have my own hours. You're literally working all the time. So if you are a kid and you want to do what I do and you love it, I'm so happy for you and you should, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say it's easier than everything and, and you should do it. And then you get into it and you're like, holy fuck, this is way more work than anticipated. A nine to five is a lot less work in my personal opinion, unless you're like a frontline worker and stuff like that. Well, and God, I, and I God think bless you guys. Well, and I think for you, what keeps you going 
it seems is you have this back against the wall mentality where you you always feel like you have your back against the wall and it's like you're never going to fail you're just you're never going to fully fail i should say we all fail you're just going to keep going and grinding and figure it out and figure it out and you're already a natural creator so you kind of get through that and then over time i think you just continue to work things out as they're meant to. And I think it's enlightening for you to kind of share your perspective with the audience and saying, yeah, it looks glamorous getting on YouTube and having millions of followers. It looks glamorous being on TikTok and uh, having a Netflix show and, and driving these fancy cars, living in a mansion, but they don't yeah. see like the, the dark side of it and how mm -hmm. people are, you're, you're so young and not fully emotionally developed and people, especially people who experience some pain and trauma that like dealing with a lot of the insecurities and fame that come along with this can be incredibly challenging because what people don't think about is sometimes I don't know the the exact rate, like amount of times that somebody comes out with a movie like an actor like releases us in a movie. I yeah. mean maybe it's a few times a year, but you got to think like somebody like yourself. It's like every day sometimes you're in a some sort of video content. Yes, yeah, you, it, that's kind of the whole gig essentially. And, and see, here's the thing: some people just dance in front of a camera and that's what they like and that's what they do and they won't do anything else. And that's amazing. That's not what I'm saying is like what I do, but it's that it, they're doing exactly what I'm, in, I'm, you know, talking about. They're doing what they love and they have a limit of what they won't, won't, will do. I think that whatever you want to do it and I'm just find something you're passionate about. I'm passionate about everything that I do. And I've realized that being in this job and no one could have prepared me to do that. Right. But, well, it makes sense. So I guess to follow up and kind of put a pin in that our previous conversation. So like, what do sure. you do? Like, how do you deal with like a video that doesn't do as well as you thought? Cause I've heard you say like, uh -huh. you struggle with mental health, you struggle with things. And all of a sudden, like you release a video and you just have this like light that comes that lights up inside of you because you feel like yeah. this video is going to hit. So how do you handle it when it doesn't? Yeah. It genuinely is a high. Right. And it, when you upload a video and it does really well, you get this dopamine and you get these endorphins released and you're just like, this is better than getting high. So it's, it, that's essentially what it is. How I deal with it is at first it was the most difficult thing in the world. The problem is once you get into social media and especially once you post and you have a video do really bad, it fucks with you mentally because yeah. you start thinking, what did I do wrong? What could have happened? Why did this happen and you start questioning every decision you made you start questioning everything you did and you were doing it out of fun and out of good taste and then all of a sudden it does horrible and you think like oh shit i need to change in reality you kind of learn over time that it, it is a part of the game you will have videos do bad especially during certain times of the month because kids go back to school or whatever and maybe different times of the day at first, it will fuck you up. At first, you you will feel every sort of depression because it's always your job. It's the same way as like you studied really hard for a test and like an exam, like the bar to be a lawyer. You studied, obviously, everyone's going to hate me for comparing social media to the bar and being a lawyer. <laughs> but genuinely, if you're studying super hard to, to, to do the bar or do the test for, to be on the bar or whatever it is, and then you fail, you start thinking, what the fuck did I do wrong? It's the same feeling as when you have a video that you worked so hard on and it, it completely doesn't crush. It's the same exact feeling of just you question yourself. And then over time, you realize it's a part of the job and it's how the job works and you're not going to have every single video go viral. And it's really difficult because you're seeing all these other people who maybe you feel like aren't doing the same amount of work as you. And I'm not saying that's me, but I'm just saying I've seen that with a lot of people where they're like, well, this person doesn't do as much as I do and their video is trending. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the audience and it's also like the algorithm and some people are treated differently on platforms. It's, they're all private companies. They all treat 
certain people with like godlike tier because of the influence they have. Right, right. It's all part of the game and you'll learn. I'm still learning. I'm still like, I still get a little like an ache when a video doesn't do well, but you brushed off and I have so many different other things that I'm, thankfully I'm now into like with TikTok and, and Snapchat and I have a Facebook series and we have this Netflix show. So there's so many different things that I focus on to the point where I was like, oh, that, that video didn't do as well. It'll pick up eventually and I start doing the next one. So it's not a huge issue over time, but when you're first getting into it and you're really focusing it, it will fuck with you. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I like your honesty and I like the way you just shoot it straight and you're just like, this is how it is. And you're open and honest about like, yeah, this is kind of what happens when a video doesn't hit. Because I got to imagine yeah. just based on what you've said and what you've shared that you probably have an, an addictive personality in a way. Oh, yeah. With creating content, with just having success. With, yeah. with fame. And I think the part that it just seems that really humbles you is just your, where you came from. I think without that, it would have been a lot more, it'd be a lot more challenging, I think, to kind of remain humble because you, you have, right. you've, you've had so much six, you're 20 years old. You've had so much, you've accomplished more by the time you're 20 years old than most people will in a lifetime. Right? I see, it doesn't feel like that. I know it, to you, it doesn't because that you're in your shoes, but if you're looking in and saying, okay, like you have got like a dream house, right? Yeah. You're in a great relationship. You have a great core group of friends that have elevated you and helped literally like save your life through the years, right? That is by your side. You have a TV show now with them. You're on Netflix. <laughs> like, yeah. like you've lived a great life, right? That's like, okay. Like, yeah, I, I can die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and I think with that said, and I think a lot of people that didn't have the childhood you did, people sometimes become very arrogant. And so, and I think the way you, it just seems to me the way you deal with a lot of this fame and everything else that comes along with it is you just never forget where you came from. A hundred percent. I'm reminded of that every day. I just wake up and I I don't know. I just, I'm very thankful for where I am and what I do. And I, I think a lot of people lose that. Yeah. A lot of people get really hooked into the numbers, which I mean, I've had my fair share where I've just thought I'm like, wow. And then if you genuinely think about it and you put the faces and then you start meeting people, I don't understand how some people can be arrogant when it's like these are real people and these are real things, but I've caught myself slipping sometimes. And, and thankfully, like I, I've had conversations with like Logan Paul and at the time, James Charles, they really actually helped me through a lot, which is funny enough. I credit a lot of who I am in this industry to Logan Paul for sure. And I've told him that several times. He's been a huge help to what I do. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was one of the, I guess the OGs in the content creation space. And, oh yeah. And it was interesting. It was cool to hear that episode that you did with them on impulsive and kind of, that was a dream. That was, yeah, that's I what you it, said, <laughs> I heard you, I had, you had, it, had it written down, right? I had it written down on a post-it note uh, above my computer where I edit. So like, keep in mind, I'm at my editing computer right now. If I was to show you, it'd be like this huge setup and I'm like editing and right above it. I see it every day. I edit a YouTube video. It says be on impulsive with a a box and a check mark and obviously beyond Doug's podcast is right next to it, but it's, <laughs> it was surreal. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing when things kind of come back full circle and that you're able to kind of break bread and get on that level yeah. with the person who inspired you, where you were kind of like watching from behind the scenes and then you work your way up and you stay driven and you keep accomplishing things and you take one step and then another step, you accomplish this and that. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, am I, am I on the screen that I was watching? Like are people like watching me in that same sitting in that same chair that yeah. I was watching somebody else sit in that chair. And, and I know that was something that was really meaningful to you, but I think outside of the, the fancy cars you've bought, 
the money, the mansion. I think one of the most <laughs> meaningful things that you've been able to do, at least from what I understand from your perspective, is what you've been able to do for your siblings Yeah, with all the money you've made. So talk a bit about what your level of success has done to be able to help uh, your siblings out financially. Yeah. So I had a gambling problem before I, before I started this job and uh, by gambling, I just being lottery. I didn't go to casinos. Oh. And so every single time that I buy lottery tickets every day with like literally pennies and quarters, just ask people for quarters and get lottery tickets. Cause obviously I was homeless still. And I, I would joke around with my siblings that I would be on focus. I'm like, Hey, if I win this lottery, you'll get this and you'll get this and you'll get this. I obviously didn't win the lottery, so to speak with my job. It kind of was like a lottery for me. And so I kind of do everything I can. If my siblings, I I tell them not to hesitate to ask and because we were never financially in a good position, really. So anything they ever need. So with my sister, she wanted to go to college and my mom wasn't in a position to help her at that point, I don't think. And I gave her a check for $10,000 and she lives in San Francisco. So I flew out for the day, surprised her with a check and she she had no idea I was going. And then for my brother, I think I've in total given him about $40,000, gotten him an apartment, did everything in the apartment, bought everything there. He didn't have a car because he got kicked out by my mom's while he's also a Marine and they don't pay him shit. They pay him $200 every uh, two weeks to be in the reserves, which that's what he's doing. And he didn't know what he wanted to do and, and he's serving our country and I, I really respect him. A hundred percent. He's my older brother. And so I started off by giving him a car and $10,000. And then I got him his apartment. I pay his monthly and uh, built the apartment up and everything that he needs. Just doing everything we can to really help him. My older sister is, I love her to death. She's actually in a very financially stable situation, which I'm happy I've never actually had to help her. But, you know, she's, she's one of the family's rocks. She's really cool. That's amazing, man. And it's incredible that at your age, you've been able to not only have this much success personally and professionally, but also just never forget where you came from to, and not to never forget where you came from and to the ability where you're now helping your siblings out like financially. I'm sure you're also there as a big support system. And I'm sure as a major inspiration for what you've been able to turn like a super big negative, and I know you might not see this, but a, a really big negative into something incredibly meaningful. And I'm sure they're looking at you now, and even your dad, and hopefully your mom too, and being like, wow, like some context, like I'm really proud of this kid. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty close with my brother still. We, we do a lot of things together, but my little sister's in college right now. And I believe she's, I think she's coming back. So I think we were going to get her a car and do a couple of things for that, for the vlog and obviously for her. But it's just, I feel like any, I, I don't think too much of it. I feel like any person in my position where they would have the money and the siblings and went through a similar thing to me, I don't think anyone else would hesitate to help their siblings. So I don't really like commend myself for it. I kind of just think rationally and I, it's just, I feel like anyone in my position would have done the same thing. So do you make money off of like ads? Is that sponsors? Is that how it works with like TikTok and, and YouTube? I'm guessing at first that was until I realized I could be doing a lot more. So I kind of learned about business a bit and keep my eye dropped yeah. out of high school, didn't go to college. I didn't know anything. So I experienced it all myself. I now set myself up to have numerous, numerous money streams to the point where if one social media platform doesn't 
perform like Vine and say it died, I'd be protected in other places. So YouTube, I make a lot of money off of the ads. So if someone watches a video and they, there's an ad in front of it, I make income from that. I also make money from the sponsors of that uh, video. If someone decides to sponsor my video um, on TikTok, I don't make any money on TikTok at all, except for sponsorships. I choose not to do the creator fund for the mere fact that it's, I, I, I just don't trust things like that a lot of times. So I really just, I know what works and what doesn't. And for me, I just chose not to do it. I'm so just sponsored off of that. And on all the platforms really sponsors. And then I also have Facebook where I have my YouTube videos repurposed onto there. And then I make AdSense off that. And then I'm starting a, a Subify this week where it's exclusive content. And so since I upload such short form content, people can you know pay monthly to get access to exclusive bloopers, live streams, all that different stuff. So I, I have different, and there's even more, but merchandise and everything I sell. I'm my own uh, promoter. I Usually people pay for ads or they pay me to promote their things. And for me, I can come out with my own products and promote it and I wouldn't have to spend a dime on promotion. So for me, it's I'm in a fortunate position where I can come out with my own stuff and I want to, I'm planning on trying to guest star on Nickelodeon and do all these things. So it's like, I'm just staying proactive and different things that I can do and making sure I'm safe in every direction and obviously investments in crypto and all that different stuff. But uh, just having fun, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like you got your hands in a little. Sorry, bit of that everything. was long. That was no. really. Long. I could have just summed it up and said, "Yeah, sponsors." But I feel like it's very. I feel like anyone watching this who maybe wants to do what I want to do is really interested in the specifics. And even though I, I kept it pretty broad, I think that so many people are under the impression that I make money solely from YouTube or just from TikTok. When in reality, neither of those are actually my biggest money earners. So it's like you build up to something and realize, hey, I could be doing more and you kind of learn for yourself what works and what doesn't. So I wouldn't try to replicate what people do on how they do it, but essentially find what works for you and, and how you enjoy it because no one likes making money that they don't want to make in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it just seems like you stay true to who you are and you're doing what you love and you're having fun and you're almost like you said, like reliving the childhood you didn't have and almost creating that for the people yeah. around you too, because they're not, they, maybe there was parts of their childhood that were missing and, and that sort of thing. And, and I think it's admirable that you've at the age of 20 have grown up so fast that now you have this business savvy about you to be able to handle things like this and get in different ventures and make sure you're protected. Because I think a lot of people, they're like, well, how do these kids make money? So that's why I ask because people, they're like, what do they make money off of? And my normal answer is, well, ad sponsors and other things, but I don't really know the other things. Sure. And and I think that I also hear that you're into music. You got a, a new, like your first single. Uh, yeah, it's, it's called One More I Love You. I I hate talking about it though. Like every single TikToker is putting out music that someone else kind of wrote for them and stuff. And for me, I'm not trying to be a musician. I'm not anticipating on becoming like the next Justin Bieber. I had a song written about my dad and, and my mom and everything. And I kind of put it into words and into a song. And I wrote it when I was like 15, 16. And then I had one of my buddies, Jake, help me produce it this last year. I'm just holding on to it, waiting for the right time to post it and just seeing what, what works. Cause I'm not trying to be like, I hate that every, I'm going to be put in category of like, if I put up music right now, Oh, it's just a TikTok music trend. And it's like, for me, it, it's something that means a lot to me. And I'll probably just put out that one song and never talk about it again, but it's just a bucket list thing for me to put out that one song. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. I mean, gosh, you continue to just evolve and inspire and evolve and inspire and evolve and inspire. It's super admirable, man. And the, so the last thing I want to talk to you about is I want to kind of, I guess, just get a little bit into the Netflix show. I mean, not in too much detail, but so is Netflix pretty much, if you're allowed to say, are they going to film you guys filming content? Is that how it's going to work? Oh, the, the Netflix show is already filmed. 
So, I, but when it comes out, oh, oh, when yeah, it comes yeah. out, like, are you asking what the show's about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what, sorry, that's what I was trying to get the gist of what the show's no, about. Yeah, yeah. Is it going to be like them um, just filming you co- create content? No. So, similar to me, a lot of people in this house have really interesting backstories, and I'm not saying my backstory is that interesting, but it, it's something that everyone, like you said, everyone just assumes that I'm just some person who came into popularity, and that's just it. I dance for 30 seconds, even though I don't even do that. But people are under the impression that some of us especially in the hype house are just kids who came from some mansion to another mansion and, and call it ours and rent cars and all this stuff. So the Netflix reality show is genuinely about everyone and drama. And there's so much drama in the house because we, it's best friends living together. It's the same way you your brother and your sister have an argument, but this is, and I, it sounds so cringe saying it. This is literally a, a point of view that no one else has seen of the inside of what something like this looks like, how it works. It's very interesting. And a lot of what I talked about today is going to be in it. And I, I stuff with my dad and my mom, and, and you see it firsthand. And we go to my hometown and with Mia and Thomas, their backstories, and they go to their hometown and confront things that have been bothering them. And it's a lot, uh, it's really deep. And it's, it has nothing actually to do with like TikTok dances. Like none of us actually, I don't think, I maybe for like a transition, but the entire season, and I hate, I'm not going to give it away because obviously the, this is a part of Netflix strategies. Obviously everyone's outraged thinking it's some one thing and then you watch it and it's going to blow you away. But it's, it's, I probably have said too much already, but <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it has nothing to do with the TikTok dance. It has nothing to do with, whoa, these hate comments are hurting me. It has everything to do with actual drama and actual backstory. And it's, it sounds so cringy, but trust me when I say that this is a side of everyone that you have not seen at all. And it's very interesting. And I'm very biased because I'm in it. <laughs> but awesome. no, I, is, I actually, was, is it like sorry, a documentary sorry. on, is it like a documentary no, on the hype house? So no, no. It's not. So there was cameras set up all around the house. Similar to like, maybe if you watch like Love Island or oh, Too Hot to Handle, I think where there's like, it's real life. Like you, it, there's nothing fake about it. There's no scripted part about it. There's, it's genuinely all real. And there's cameras everywhere. You're mic'd all the time for two months. We were mic'd. 24 seven and it's all real and it's fast paced as fuck. And uh, there was plenty of things that like, you'll see, I'm just, I can't give it away, but it's so good. And I saw a lot of people were talking, they're like, Oh, our, our favorite Netflix show was canceled because of this. We've been filming this for the last year and a half. So I highly doubt your favorite Netflix show that was canceled two months ago was canceled because of our show. And the way Netflix works is a lot of people are actually confused by is Netflix will hire production teams. So for us, we had wheelhouse group. We hired wheelhouse group to film our thing. And then they pitched it to Netflix. So wheelhouse group is from the beginning. And then it's like different, the way Netflix works is different. A production crews will pitch shows that they had already filmed to Netflix. And if they pick it up, they pick it up. And if they don't, but this was a year and a half in the making. And we signed with Netflix officially like a, six months ago, seven months ago. So it, I see a lot of rumors about stocks and, and all this stuff and, and none of it's true, but I saw you tweet about that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Your chances are your net favorite Netflix show was not canceled because of our show, but we're not going to really come out and say it because your outrage is actually helping the TV show. <laughs> so, well, I think it's going to do a couple things, Alex. I think number one, it's going to obviously give you all some great exposure, and I think it's also going to shed light on what really goes on in your industry. I mean, not yeah. from a content creating side of things, but more like the backstory. And well, hopefully- it's also yeah. I, we all peg ourselves as happy-go-lucky people who never have problems in our <laughs> lives because that's exactly what, what you want you to see on social yeah. media. And no one understands that all of it's fake. Like Not that in the extent of like who we are because all of us are very real and we're all on the internet very really. Like, sorry, yeah. really bad grammar. But 
everyone hides what's wrong with them and what's going on. And some people don't, and they get ridiculed for it, for being some crazy, keep it off the internet. And so it's like one people are preaching for authenticity. And then the minute someone's authentic and really talking about what's going on with them, they're like, Oh, this should have stayed private. This should have stayed offline. So we just have a whole TV show dedicated to things that should not be on the internet. Awesome. I can't wait to see it. So is there any official release? Can you give a time frame or not allowed? Unoffic- unofficially, I can't. Unofficially, I would have to say in August, unofficially saying that might happen or might not happen, but I disclosed to not be able to tell you. Okay, cool. So hypothetically, if it was to air anytime soon, it would probably be in August, September, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I know you don't know, so it's all good. So, but, <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get in trouble for this one. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. no, I and I appreciate you kind of opening up and sharing all that and your honesty and and everything from what you shared, not only about your backstory but the stuff you still struggle with today, creating oh, yeah. the content and also sharing what it's meant to be able to help your siblings out, kind of what you're working on now as far as the Facebook stuff, your subscription service and and hopefully just to touch up on and kind of end this out really it's just throughout this entire podcast i've talked about things that are bad about this industry or bad about my job i'm only saying that because genuinely this is the best job in the world but everyone pegs it out to be some easy go lucky very you just film for three hours and you're done with your day and i don't want kids watching this to think it's that and get into something where they might have gotten kicked out of their house and they might have been homeless and they might be giving it all in hopes that it's some easy job. It's not, it really isn't, or at least what I do is not. And I want everyone who's watching this or maybe looks up to me or maybe looks up to you, Doug, and realize that just because they see maybe 15 minutes, an hour long, maybe an hour and a half long podcast, think that's just your job. Because I know that's not just your job, Doug. I know you have a lot more to do. And, and it's just, I want people to know that I love this job. I love all the work that comes with it. I accept everything bad that comes with it, but I don't want someone getting into this thinking that it's all fucking money and girls and weed and alcohol. And all of a sudden you're famous. Right. Yeah. And I think that's starting to hopefully subside a little bit and go away yeah. that, that it's not just that, that there is a lot more adversity that comes with that. But I think the direction of our conversation I wanted to have was not so much just focus on like the negativity of it, but like the reality of it. Yeah. Because I think it would be easy for me to sit here and talk to you about all your sports cars and what it's like living in a mansion and what it's Who like. Who fucking you know. cares? Right. It'd be easy, <laughs> but there's a lot of people that might want to take yeah. that direction where I'm like, I want to get into like your story more. I want to talk to you about like what's really going on. And, and so that way you can, again, be more, I guess not only relatable for the audience, but just shed some perspective. There's a parent who's listening to this and their kid says, Hey mom, or Hey dad, I want to be a YouTuber to give some real time insight on like what it's like, because that's a thing now it's it not going thing. away. And hopefully kids don't have it the way I did. I think that if you are a parent watching this, it's obviously something to be skeptical about. It's obviously something that's like, I, I don't blame my mom for her skepticism. And obviously there's different issues with that. But if you are a parent listening to this and you're like, hey, my kid wants to do what you do, be skeptical, but be supportive. And obviously that's coming from someone who does not have kids and does not have any real life experience with kids. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just scared of some mom watching this and be like, this kid is telling me to not how to parent. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. But from one person who went through it, a little open-mindedness might be useful. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I think being open-minded about anything when it comes to life is everything. Because like imagine a world where like, where parents, like your dad teaches you how to play football and your dad teaches you how to play baseball. Like imagine a parent teaching your kid how to be an influencer. I think that it fucks with my head, but at the same time, <laughs> like imagine a dad trying to, like, this is going to be me. I'm going to teach my kid how to make a YouTube video, but it's like, it's so weird to think about even me being in this space, living it firsthand. I can't imagine a dad being like, okay, so son, you want to go outside and I can teach you some lines on how to say good morning and welcome to today's vlog like <laughs> that straight fucks my head up but i don't know i'm not saying to do that but definitely like i think especially nowadays people are being way more open to whether or not someone's sexuality or how they act or how they live or maybe just like what their ambitions is because three years ago being a youtuber was not something normal i don't think it's anywhere near normal now but it's getting there it's getting there and it's a thing. And I think it's interesting the way what you said. I mean, it made me think like traditionally, I guess you would say like your parents, if they wanted to, if you wanted to be like an accountant or learn how to balance a budget, your, your yeah. mom or your dad would show you how to, to balance a checkbook and how to make a deposit in the bank or throw a football, like you said, or swing a golf club or vacuum your house. Like they would teach you. But like when it comes to like, I want to be a YouTuber, they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to show. And now it's like kids are showing their parents how to make TikTok videos. Yeah or reels or anything else that's like yep. it's popular online. So I think it's fascinating. So, so Alex, I once again wanted to, to thank you for coming on the show, for being so open or for sharing your heart and soul on this thing. I think people are going to get a lot out of our conversation. So where can people find out more about you? I know you're on Instagram. It's at Alex double a like warren with a double a am i correct yeah if you look up normal like if you just look up like warren lentz or like if you look up any like a normal warren it'll come up like alex warren just no double a i just did like someone has my damn username and they won't give it to me on Nobody every will give it to you? Really? on every platform someone is active on it and i don't know who it is but i will find you <laughs> <laughs> i have a particular set of skills and i will fucking find you <laughs> but no genuinely if you just look up on google it'll show you all of the, I, I this is my biggest flex in the world is the fact that i actually when you look at my name on google something happens but it, it's really cool that's the best part about it i think in my personal opinion is looking at my name and seeing that when but, something um, happens, what ha what happens? Just like here, pop up. Let, me, let me look it up right now. When you look up Alex Warren, like all my social medias pop up and it has like a biography about me, which is weird. So it's like, it, to me, that's like a, an achievement. When I used to look up people's like for in high school, like, sorry, I know we have to end this, but like my, in high school, I would look up people's like net worth and stuff. And when you look up their name, like they had their name and someone's guesstimating my net worth. And it's so wrong to the point where I'm like, did I just waste so much time looking at people's net worth, not realizing that's probably not what it is. So sorry, but yeah, you could look at my name and you'll find it anywhere. <laughs> awesome. All my socials yeah, so are on Google. So just Google Alex Warren on Google and, and magic will pop up, right? I just made that so hard. Yes, everyone, <laughs> everything. Sorry. Dude, stop apologizing. You're good, man. I mean, no, this has been great. I I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I honestly was excited for many reasons and was like, no, what, what direction do I want to take this conversation? And I'm glad right. it went the way that that we did tangents and all i'm all for it so, <laughs> so, so so if you're listening to this i mean what i encourage you to do if there was something alex said maybe it was something with his backstory or a tip he gave with creating content or something he's struggling with now or maybe it was something that you learned about tiktok or the hype house what i want you to do is take a screenshot and then tag alex tag myself share it we'd love to hear your feedback we'd love to hear oh, yeah what you got from this episode, what value you received, what you learned, because we always love hearing feedback, right? Yes. It's the name of the game with content, right? It's feedback. <laughs> I love it. And this is, I love it too, because it'll help me put a face to who's watching. And really it's more intimate in a way you can see me, but I can't see you for sure. For sure. 
So once again, I thank you all for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you. I'm your co-host, Alex Warren. (laughs) Co-host, Alex Warren. There we go. Is this going to be a vlog? (laughs) Yes. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you for watching my podcast. (laughs) See you. Bye. (laughs)